Today's scripture reading comes from Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vintage is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coils on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is God's word. Amen. You can be seated, Mac family. It's been a, it's been a grip. My... Um, I started coaching with Max Sports when uh, my oldest daughter uh, started with the youngest age. She was, I think, four when we started, maybe five. We just celebrated her birthday last week, um, and she's now 11. And I uh, started coaching with Max Sports, and um, one of the first things that we talk about when we're coaching, and one of the first like kind of gospel things we begin to say, what is our character trait of the week? It's kindness. Kindness. Because they say that the way to check and gauge a person's heart is to see how they act during sports. You want to know if a brother real, like a person of integrity, see if the ball go out of bounds and he say, that's out on me. You know, you want to see if a, if a person is really a, a, a person that has a, a, a posture of caring for others or humble. See how that sister acts when the game is on the line with one second. They say that sports can be an environment, but where you get to see how a person would treat those on their team, but also see how they would treat the other team. Family, as we are going to be diving into the book of Romans today, God has a prescription, if you will. He's got some, some orders for us as to how we treat folks on our team and how we treat people on the other team. If you would, turn to Romans chapter 12 with me. You should have a Bible either under your seat or by your knees. There should be be a Bible. If not, the scriptures will be up here on the screen, uh, or you can pull up that cell phone, but don't text nobody back. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 12. And let me, let me back up a little bit so that you understand, because jumping into Romans chapter 12, you're going to be like, what's going on? Because Romans chapter 12 is a pivotal shift. It's a shift where God begins to talk about 
treating. How do we treat people? But chapters 1 through 11 set the stage so you understand why you have the strength to treat people the way God is asking you to. Chapter 1 talks about God being the judge and that in understanding the story of Jesus, the gospel is righteousness revealed. Chapter 2 demonstrates God extending kindness with a hope that would lead towards repentance. But repentance is not simply hearing something. It's actually hearing it and then aligning your life to follow it. The Bible continues in Romans to to communicate that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but that through Jesus Christ, all men can have new life and experience that new life for eternity. That God is our creator of all and all communicating God, communicating his righteousness and that we don't have to sin anymore. And you get to chapter eight and he says something that that reminds us that our journey is a little different. He says, man, these present sufferings that you're going to going through are not even you can't even compare those to the riches of glory that you're going to experience. So have a view that's greater than what you experience now. Chapter one through 11 of Romans provides great understanding of being able to know God to understand who God is, to know who he is. But then God says in chapters 1 through 11, I want you to understand and know me, but I know you. But I know y'all. Y'all are my children. Y'all have been set apart for my purposes. So now I got to introduce you to chapter 12. Because chapter 12 helps us understand why the Father expects fruit from us. What is fruit? Fruit is uh, me being able to see your maturity. Fruit is me being able to see your maturity. If you are walking with the Lord and what that looks like, fruit is like faith in action. It's, it's, it's a ability for us to gauge the spiritual maturity that is within the believer. And God says in chapters 1 through 11 that I'm giving y'all the ability to live out who I am and display fruit. But um, fruit can be, can be a little tough sometimes. Uh, sometimes fruit is one of those things that people that's separate from you can see it a little bit clearer than those that's closest to you. My, uh, my wife asked me the other day, we were, I don't know what, how the topic came up, but she was like, hey, did you, did you ever bully your brother? I'm like, well, let me, let me define bullying. <laughs> See, I, was, I wasn't like the, 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 the punching bag bully, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 I love my brother, and we was cool. Um, I looked out for him a good amount, so I, I didn't like to see him physically in pain from me. But if the, the lamp that my mama really cared about somehow got broken and I was the one that knocked it over, and he was six years younger than me, guess who mom found out broke the lamp? My brother. You see, there's sometimes where the people closest to you are actually the ones who get the worst of your fruit. 
My brother got some stories of me coming through for him, loving and caring for him. My brother got some stories of some tears that were caused by me. And so God has us in this Romans chapter 12 book saying, look, y'all got to know me. Know I love you. Know that I set you apart for great purposes. Know that my righteousness is revealed in Jesus Christ. Know that the glory of God is worth way more than the trials you're going to experience today. But I want to see y'all love one another. I want to see you care for one another because y'all are on the same team. And so God begins to talk to us in in chapter 12, and it starts actually with verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Mercies of God. That all that stuff in the previous 11 chapters are being given unto you so that you might be able to flourish. I don't I don't know much about about growing stuff. Um, Actually, I kill stuff when it's time for us to grow it in our home. So, like, I really don't know much. What I do know is my grandma. Grandma somehow had the ability to take a leaf. And in a couple years, that leaf would be now big and coming all branching out and everything. And the two things I remember grandma doing was taking miracle Grow, putting it in the pot, and continuously watering. miracle Grow and water. You see, miracle Grow provides the nutrients that this plant needs in order to be able to thrive, but water feeds it daily. Family, the mercies of God is the nutrients that the believer needs in order to be nourished to live out the Christian faith. The mercies of God, his his faithfulness, his kindness, his patience, that's the nutrients, that's the environment by which we get to grow. But then he tells us, starting in verse 9, what the water is. Because we're supposed to imitate the water that he gives us. It says in verse 9, let love be genuine, arbor what is evil, and hold fast to what is good. If his God-given mercies is the miracle grow, his love is the water. We are called to let our love be genuine. It's not something that we use very often. We don't often say like, hey, can can you just treat me in a genuine fashion? I don't really say that, say that too often, but genuine is, is what, what, what we've said in all the rap songs through the 80s and 90s, keep it real. That, that's what it means to be, to be genuine, to not be hypocritical, to actually allow what you say to line up with what you do. And so if God has united us, made us one, I love you and you love me, then there's no way that I could cut you. No way that I could, could, could demean you. No way I could talk to you behind your back. I was, I was shocked once when, when I, I heard about an interaction that happened amongst church members some years ago. 
there was an, inter- an interaction where somebody said something on Facebook. Another church member saw it, responded. The initial church member that said something blocked the other church member. Now, I'm stepping into crazy territory here because every time I talk about Facebook, I mess it up because I don't understand how to repost, share, face, like, poke you, all that stuff. All I'm saying is what, what I saw happen was counter to a sincerity of love that's supposed to be present within our family. You, you, you telling me that I now can, can begin to like totally cut a person off before even talking with a friend? A person that's a, 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 a brother or, or a sister? And I'm, I'm, I'm just, you can give me the craziest of news. You can tell me that um, Shauna's starting a liquor store tomorrow. I'm going to be like, huh, that's interesting. Thanks for sharing. And then guess what? Guess who I'm going to? Guess who I'm going to have a conversation with? Guess who I'm going to be praying for before I get to that conversation? Guess what I won't do? I won't say, she is crazy. Look what she done done. I might drive by and see the sign and say, Shauna's Quickie Mart. I'm still (laughs) believing the best until I talk to my sister. Why? Because as the people of God, I know that God has grabbed your heart. I know that God loves you, and I know that I've seen compassion flow from you. So whatever's going on, I can't explain it until I come and sit before your feet. That's love. That's sincerity. That's how we do life. And we know we've been a victim. We've been a victim of letting our unhealthy side come out in a quick snippet of something I said to Mar, a quick Facebook ad that was inappropriate. We have not all been perfect on our worst days, best days. Sometimes you slip. So let's Extend kindness, love, a genuine faith as we interact with one another. I wonder why God said, I want that to be one of the first things that you do as a people of God in doing community together. Because everything else is going to flow out of that. If we can't love one another, there's no way later in this it talks about us, um, uh, our words and all these different, different aspects of how we're going to care for each other. But if we can't love one another and be sincere, family, we will be a broken church family. I'm supposed to move on, but I don't know. The Lord won't let me. So, sorry, one, one, one other aspect. As we do life together, I'm going to keep my bad example going. Forgive me, Shauna. But when I get to Shauna, I listen. Listen. You and I know the difference between listening and listening. See, when when I'm listening, me and my wife get into an argument, and I ask her what she said, and when I restate it, I'm like, so what you're saying is da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. See, that's listening. That's when I already got my motivation. I'm hearing what you're saying, but I'm just taking the words that you're saying so I can attack you with the words to let you know I'm right. But listening, 
Oh, truly listening is when we pause and we, are, we can explain the other person's position better than they can. Maybe we don't agree, but we could represent them well with words that they would use. Why? Because we're seeking understanding. We're not seeking to punish with our hearts, punish with our words. We're not seeking to already prove that we are right. This is what a loving posture looks like. And I'm not, I'm not yelling at y'all because I'm mad. I'm, I'm yelling because I'm remembering how many times I failed at loving even some of you right. And I want that to be rooted out of us as a people, that we would be willing to be genuine with our love towards one another. John, uh, John the Baptist, this, this brother that used to rock some weird clothes, got, you know, used to eat honey nut locusts, you know what I'm saying, just like kicking it. John is out in, in Luke chapter 3. He's out and he's talking to people and he's saying, hey, prepare the way. Jesus is coming. I want you to repent. I want you to know the Father. I want you to experience him. And John has this experience where people actually start coming. Folks start coming. They start saying, oh, okay, cool. You call us to repentance, we're here. And then he says something crazy. John says to them in Luke chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Why does he say that? He says that because people are coming out to meet him like, yeah, John warned us. He said, be careful, don't perish. And people came out just to get saved but they had no desire to live for God. Which is why the next sentence he says is, is not simply do I want you saved, but you are to bear fruit in keeping with what? Repentance. Repentance, this constant heart correction back to what God wants. I was going my way, but I need to reset back to what God wants. I was doing my thing, but I need to reset back to what God wants. Repentance. And so John says, clearly, man, bear fruit that is keeping with repentance. So we are to love genuinely, abstain and stay away from evil, and evil is anything that is hostile towards God. It could be a person, a practice, or a behavior that might exhibit evil, and we're not supposed to delight in that. But continue with me in verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. There's a brotherly affection there. Uh, 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 now we are deeper than friends because of what the cross did. And why is, why is Paul saying this to this people? Because he has people from every aspect of life. Y'all remember in Acts, the spirit hits folks. Folks is hearing the gospel in their own language. And now there's a new church that's been set up in Rome. And this new church has Jewish people. 
people that have come to love Jesus, but their background is one where they had the law, they had the money, they had the pedigree, they had the tradition. So they would be coming to church every day with a tux on. You know what I'm saying? Just flashy. Got it. Historically, we are in there. We got Abraham as our peeps. They got the history. But you also had Gentile converts. Gentile converts was the, was the, uh, the Timberland boots and the, uh, the velvet sweatsuits. Gentiles came into church kicking it. You know what I'm saying? Gentiles came from a lifestyle that was so far from anything that you would deem holy. And now you've got both of these groups together. And, and Paul uses a term that redefines their relationship. A relationship that used to be at odds with one another, a relationship that couldn't even understand one another, a relationship that wasn't listening. And he says, you're brothers. You're brothers. You're brothers. We had a, had a, a cultural conversations journey uh, as elders. And... Uh, I don't even remember what, what we talked about. I, have, I really have no idea. I just remember there was a time where Matthew said something to me, and I just felt like he heard me. Oh, my brother just heard me, and my words couldn't even articulate some of my plight as an African-American man that has grown up in the hood until I was in the ninth grade. Then I went to a suburb in the, in, for high school, and then I went to uh, predominantly white colleges and was in all these different mixed environments, and there was just something that I was trying to communicate, and I couldn't even get the words to say it, and somehow my brother just let me know, I hear you. It felt, it felt like the same way I can call up my cousin that I've known my whole life who used to sell crazy amounts of drugs, be the wildest of wild, and came to faith during my, um, during my first year of grad school. A man who I can call and I can share the, the darkest aspects of who I am. Who, I, who is a relative cousin, but I consider a brother. And God allowed me to have that same feeling with Matthew. Why? Not because I'm so good at communicating or Matthew's so good at listening, but because in that moment we realized we are working towards a goal greater than any of us. We're working towards glorifying the king. And as we are talking, I am hearing my brother I am listening to my sister. That affects how we love one another. Our differences don't redefine our relationship. Actually, God says, because of who I am and what I've done in all of y'all, I define the relationship. So don't you let something else break it up. We're going to be doing some cultural conversations and different stuff like that and a lot of this stuff is going to be new for us. It's going to be unfamiliar. I'm excited and scared. I'm excited and scared. But I'm trusting God to do some great things by where, because of our brotherly love, some will open up and be a little bit more vulnerable, and some will open up 
and listen a little bit better. And we'll all be able to love one another with a bit more affection. Man, I'm only on verse 10. Let me keep it moving. Sorry, y'all. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Basically, like, like, don't be lazy in celebrating Jesus. If he's done something in you, don't put off being able to celebrate and magnify his name. What that is for each of you may look very different. I'm not saying everybody needs to be out on a corner street preaching. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is he is good. And he is worthy of a response from you. Now, I trust you to dictate, based on the Holy Spirit, what that response should look like. But none of us should say we don't have a response. And so with, we, we, we rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Yeah, it's been, it's been a little while since we, since we championed the cause of ministering from the home. I, I, I eased off a bit, not because I don't think it's something that's really important, but because I felt like there were other areas of tightening up our uh, gospel-centered tool belt that I wanted to encourage us in. But guess what? I'm back. Hospitality. It's a Christian virtue. It is counter to many of our upbringings. In, in my family, you got into the home when you were family. And even then, we cleaned up everything and made it perfect. We still got some plastic on a couple couches. <laughs> but, but, but hospitality is truly supposed... See, the home is where the Christian is supposed to truly be themselves. Not, not, out, not out here where we're trying to impress. The home is the place where you're supposed to be yourself. And so in hospitality, what I am saying is I'm welcoming you into the realness, the genuineness of my life. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. And now God is inspecting some things of me. Ask the kids. Dang, Mama. You speak so kind to us when people come over for dinner. When ain't nobody else over for dinner, it's a different mama. Can we have somebody over for dinner tonight? <laughs> Family, as we are entering into this new rhythm, we are, we are in a new school rhythm. We're in a new work rhythm. Opportunities for hospitality abound. Consider families that are bringing their kids and they're in your school. They're in your child's classroom. They're at your child's daycare. What would it look like for you to invite somebody in? What would it look like for your neighbor to have to get used to saying no to you all the time? Can you come over? Y'all want to come over? Y'all don't? Okay, cool. Something going on? Okay, cool. Uh, week number two, y'all, we're going to be cooking. Y'all want to come by? Nope. Okay, cool. At some point, <laughs> they either going to get real mad. Look, man, I don't eat your cooking, Leon, okay? Like, <laughs> you burn the ribs every time. Like, they either going to be real with you or they're going to give in. 
And my, what God can do if we are willing to be patient, willing to be long-suffering, willing to take our time in loving people, continuing to extend, open up our hearts, potential for being rejected, but see our home as the platform for people experiencing God's grace. The crazy part is, I think the conversation begins to shift here because it's supposed to happen to, I flipped my slide too quick, it's supposed to happen to believers, because that's where we get to know one another's needs, but also hospitality is to strangers as well. To strangers as well. Continue with me in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible. So, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I love these things. I love it because, like, it's just clear and direct. This, this, this passage is one of those passages where it's like, it's not like this great, deep, mystical understanding. It's like, don't repay evil for evil. Some, 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 some clear stuff. Uh, be inviting. Be hospitable. If you see somebody in need and you can be generous and care for them, be generous. It's like the, the basics, you know what I mean? Like things that you can follow, things you can follow, things you can follow. But sometimes, like, because we don't check with the source, we, we end up following unhealthy stuff. I remember I at the grocery store with my kids. We had, um, we had all gone grocery shopping. Uh, Boo wasn't with me. And uh, I think I had all four of them. I know I had two of the boys, though. So we're leaving, and as we're leaving, you know how you check out. It's like six or seven different, you know, uh, registers, and like a slew of people start walking out together. And my son is following me, but he's looking like this. And I guess he's looking at the back of my jeans or the back of my shoes. I don't know. But I come out, and I turn like this. He keeps going this way. He's following somebody else's pants. So I just stand there and look. I'm like, how long is this brother going to go? And I'm like, Ezra. <laughs> and he looks up, up, and then just comes back over to, you know. Family, when we take our eyes off of the Father, we begin following some ways of this world that are so unhealthy for us, and it's subtle. We don't even realize that we are being lured away from his kingdom purposes. And so he gives us the Bible. Sometimes it's mystical and it's tough to understand, but sometimes it's just plain. Don't repay evil for evil. Well, in what circumstance, Pastor? All of them. In my marriage, yes. With my neighbors, yes. But they did, yes. In my church, yes. At my job, yes. With 
the administration? Yes. With the city administration? Yes. With DTE? Woo! Yes. <laughs> and to my youth in the room, it does not start when you become an adult. Following the ways of the Father starts now, and it's, and it's really an issue of will we believe that he is who he is? If he says, vengeance is mine, then what are you doing trying to control vengeance? If he says, don't worry, I got them, what are you trying to do? Nope, I'm going to get them first, God. Like, what? Are your words really that cutting that you can determine somebody's future? Do you really want to, to, to hurt people and think that you are redeeming a situation? No. Do what he calls us to do, which is to continue to love, to love, even love the other team. Even love those that don't love God. Even love those that we would deem as evil. Why? Why? Why, does, why, do we, why are we called to do this? Because we trust that God can be as good to them as he is to us. I, he could have said, pray for them. But notice, he says, bless those who persecute you. Now, there's one term in all of Christianity that Christians love, and it's a blessing. What's it look like? They don't care. We don't care. We just want all the blessings. Come on, Lord. How crazy it is that he would say the favor of God, the love of God, the character that God possesses be lavished upon a person who the world would say you should hate. What does that do? It keeps us humble because we realize that we could be them in any moment and we are we could be also blinded by our own evil agenda. When we have to bless those who persecute, it reminds us that God is in control and that the same power that grips you and I makes us aware of his power to grip that individual. When we bless those that persecute. And it reminds us that evil will not prevail. Even in this situation, no matter what, no matter how evil it seems, it will not win. I've been blessed to see in this community, in this 48214, I've been blessed to see and know amazing men that if you would have known their past of hurting people, of selling drugs, of stealing, of, of whatever, if you would have known their past, you'd be shocked. But God has gripped their heart and they now walk with Jesus, and they live in ways very different than they used to. And if God can do that for them, wait a minute. God could do that for us. He can do that for our enemies. And so the question is, do, can, can a person's evil get you to doubt the powerful extent of God's hand? 
I pray not. I pray not. Verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You ever, uh, maybe it was the pettiness of my school, but we had some people in the school that was so cool that we just started making up lies about them. I mean, they were like nice to everybody, served everybody, cared for everybody. And you, if, if, if you were like insecure or had your own issues, you just began to be like, you know she stole something, right? She began making up stuff. It's, it's sad what happens when people have to experience a person that truly is trying to love them continuously. You either at some point accept it and it begins to impact you and change your heart or you reject it and vilify them. But one way or another, you got to deal with constant love. Family, may we be a people who continue to try to love genuinely, that we would see this beautiful harmony that God has for us as a body to represent his character, represent his kindness, represent his love, but that we would also see that that harmony is in rhythm with a hospitality that welcomes others into our lives. Some of those others that need to be welcomed into our lives are in this room. My prayer is in the next two months, you would consider two things. In the next month, you might invite somebody from our church who you're not as close with to a meal. Have them over. And that in the next two months, you might consider a person who's not a Christian that's in one of your spheres of life to have over for a meal. What's the goal? To do life, to welcome them in to the life you live for Jesus to maybe encourage and spur one another on if we're in this room. But as we are ministering outside of this room, that folks would have an opportunity to see us as people who are not perfect but trust in a perfect God. I, I will end with maybe what your Bible says. Because if you look actually in your Bible, depending on what version of the Bible you have, it has a heading for verses 9 through 21. If you have the New American Bible, the heading says, The Duties of Christians, Mutual Love. If you have the Christian Standard Bible, those verses says, Christian Ethics is the heading. If you have an NIV Bible, it says, Love. And if you have an ESV Bible, these last verses that we've gone over, the heading for that is called Marks of a True Christian. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to experience the love that you give and then be able to give it out in a genuine 
fashion. We, Father, humbly come before you, thankful that you create a harmony within your body, that you allow us to be uniquely wired, very different, but when we all give just a little bit, we can make a sound that is so beautiful. Would you guide us, Lord, so that that would be the case, that our goal is always pursuing the beauty of unity but also acknowledging the beautiful differences and ways you've made us. We are thankful for you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.